And welcome again to the Disability Law Show. To reach out anytime, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. The website, disabilityrights.ca, is the place you want to be to find uh, past radio shows and our TV show as well. We have lots to get through today. We'll give you uh, an explanation of uh, what exactly is the Pocket Employment Lawyer at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's coming up here in just a bit. First, though, Savannah, we always start with the week that was. What's been happening in your world? Hey, John, it's been very, very busy as usual. Uh, you know, it's just uh, amazing to me the amount of information, sorry, the amount of questions that I get each and every week. And I, I answer all of them from every person out there that has a question about a long-term disability claim or even an injury claim anywhere in Ontario, anywhere in BC, because we have offices both in BC and in Ontario. We do work everywhere. So let me start off with an email I received from a, from a lady uh, and, and this is in relation to uh, a long-term disability claim. Uh, she, she is a, uh, a uh, teacher, uh, and we have helped many teachers in the past and continue to help many, many teachers with their long-term disability claims. So let me, let me, let me read you the email, and then we can uh, dissect it. Uh, she says what her name is. I'm not going to say it on air. And then she says, I have been off from my teaching career for the last five years. OTIP denied my appeal and my union is taking too long to address my appeal, claiming it is long and needs time. Mm -hmm. I was hoping to get some advice. I'm not sure what steps to take. Can we set up a meeting or a phone consult? And the subject of the email is advice, help. So uh, with with that in mind, with the fact that we do in fact assist many, many teachers throughout throughout Ontario, uh, let me say this. she, this lady is unionized, uh, and uh, her union, for whatever reason, is taking too long to adjust her appeal. Well, l- let me say that to you. We help many, many individuals who are unionized employees with their uh, long-term disability claims, mm-hmm. but we don't do what the union is doing in this case or trying to do. We don't appeal these denials by OTIP. Okay. What we do is we start a legal claim, which is a much more powerful process of forcing the the payor, in this case it's OTIP, to pay the long-term disability that this individual is owed, or or you know other teachers are owed. Now remember something: unions are not in the business of fighting long-term disability claims. That's not where their expertise lies. It's not where their lawyers' expertise lies. Uh, when a person comes to us for advice on a long-term disability claim and they're a unionized employee, one of the first things we need to see is their collective agreement. Because in some instances, we will not be able to help a person with their disability claim. In some instances, it's contemplated by the collective agreement that only the union can in fact represent the person. But in the case of teachers, that is not the case in our experience. And that's why we've resolved many, many cases for teachers throughout Ontario with OTIP. We've, we've been able to get to to fantastic uh, uh, um, uh, resolutions and and settlements with OTIP uh, that that our clients have been very, very happy with. So when when you go to your union because of a long-term disability issue, you have to understand that your union doesn't have expertise in that and you are risking potentially uh, going through a process with them, the appeals process Mm -hmm. is not going to get you anywhere, which is why this lady ended up contacting me and of course we're going to help her. So again, if you're a teacher or know of a teacher that is having an issue with a long-term disability plan, uh, with OTIP, with, with an insurance company, we can help with that. At the very least, let us take a look at your case and give you advice, again, for free, so that we can tell you what your options are going forward. 
Again, help at disabilityrights.ca to send your email along. Uh, what else you got going on, man? Uh, well, let me let me um, uh, tell you about another very very interesting email that I had received uh, recently. So, in this particular case, uh, I have a a longtime listener uh, who 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 uh, emailed this. Uh, I hope all is well. I love your radio show, and I never miss it. This is nice to hear. I have a problem that I need advice on. I was in a car accident in 2016, and I had a lawyer that was representing me, but the lawyer never trusted me, and he pushed me to settle for very little money. First, it was, and he's giving an amount, and they told me that if I don't go uh, uh, to court, I'm going to have to pay a deductible, and yada, yada, yada. He says a whole bunch of things here that I'm not going to read out. Uh, He says, then I went to a mediation, and at the end... At the end, I accepted, and again, he gives me the amount that he ended up accepting. <laughs> and then he says, I am in very bad shape. I can't drive for more than 20 or 30 biz- uh, minutes. I did sell my business because I could not attend to even supervise. My back, my knee, my neck, my knees, they hurt very bad. And then he ends with, I think my lawyer only wanted the qu- uh, quick money and did not uh, uh. and did not care for me. Uh, I've been at the emergency room. I've had seven needles in my back uh, uh treating me and my nerves. He basically recounting a whole bunch of medical types of information that he's had. And what he's asking me here at the end is, can I go after my lawyer? That's really his question. He understands that he entered a settlement that he's not happy with. And the reason why I want to bring this out is because I'll tell you right now, my answer to him is, we rarely go after other lawyers. I mean, there has to be a really, really egregious type of a situation for me to go after another lawyer. And, and that, that I have personal reasons for not mm-hmm. doing that. Sure. Okay. I just says there's lawyers who specialize in professional negligence, whether it's against doctors or against engineers or lawyers. We typically don't do that. But I'm bringing this up because you have a, you have situations all over the place where individuals hire. Uh, lawyers that they then feel have not done what they were hired to do, which is protect them, which is get them the compensation they deserve to maximize their compensation under the law. And whether that's with uh, uh, disability law or, 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 or car injury law uh, or employment law, you have to make sure you do your homework before you hire the lawyer. And if there are red flags when you are with that lawyer and you feel the lawyer is pressuring you, pressuring you unjustifiably to accept a certain amount of money that you're not comfortable with, you have the right to say no. It's your case. Yeah, I never, ever force a client to accept anything. I may disagree with my client and tell my client, look, this is the best legal advice I can give you. We operate within a certain system of law. I can't go beyond that. My job is to maximize what I can get for you. That's my job. As long as I've done that and given you all the options, and I'll tell you what I think you should do, you at the end of the day call the shots. It's your case. I am the GPS. I'll get you there, but you got to press the gas pedal. So, you know, that's very, very important to understand. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it breaks my heart that this person is now probably disabled for life and feels like he got peanuts yeah. relative to what he thinks he should have gotten. And, and frankly, from just the information he's given me, I think he should have gotten a lot more money. But again... He, you know, he's cho- he chose the lawyer. He chose uh, to accept the settlement. There's nothing I can do. But for those of you out there, either who are looking to hire a lawyer for their, your employment matter or long-term disability matter or injury matter, do your homework. 
I'd be more than happy to help you if you want to talk to me, member of my team. Absolutely, we do this each and every day. But even if it's not us, just make sure, please, you do your homework and make sure you understand it's your case, okay? The lawyer is not there to force you to accept anything. The lawyer's job, just like a doctor's job, is to tell you what they think is best for you based on their knowledge and experience and expertise within the context of you, uh, in the context of your unique set of facts. So, so understand, it's it's you have the power to make that decision at the end of the day. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Emails and more are coming up. It's the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. Lots more here. The Disability Law Show. You want to reach out? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The website is disabilityrights.ca. Uh, before we move on to some questions and emails, Savannah, I know there's another uh, another uh, case or, or whatever you want to talk about before then, right? Yeah, John, I'm telling you, they just come in fast and furious. So here's another email I I had recently received from a lady uh, who who wrote to me that she's been on long-term disability with, and then she gives the name of the insurance company, and they just recently denied my claim because they sent out investigators and observed me following my psychologist's orders. (laughs) Okay? Wow. Then she writes, the psychologist I went to, uh, through them, so apparently this is someone she's getting treatments from that the insurance company recommended that she go for treatments with. Uh, she says that psychologist had me do homework to deal with my many uh, diagnosed mental illnesses. And those illnesses involved, uh, sorry, uh, th- those those things that I had to do involved going out in the public. Uh, in this instance, she says they have stopped my claim because I went to Tim Hortons with my dad. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, uh, I went to the movies, um, and and I worked uh, on my car, uh, I, I guess in, in a very light fashion. She says, I am in search of legal aid at this point, and any help you might have would be incredibly useful. Every doctor I have gone to, including their doctors, have told me that I'm not well enough to go back to work, and and, and medically they, they advise against it. Uh, so she's looking for advice. John, I'm not making this up. I'm reading this. I mean, you can even hear the pauses in my voice as I'm reading the email. I'm trying to just, you know, redact certain portions that will not identify the person. Sure. It's insanity. So they've sent investigators. So insurance companies do this all the time, whether it's in a car accident claim, slip and fall, whatever. Uh, When the insurance company uh, is facing a legal claim for compensation, sometimes they will hire private investigators to do surveillance. They're entitled to do that, okay? There are certain limitations on that. The the, the, the uh, investigators cannot contact you. They cannot yeah. go inside your house. But but they are allowed, generally speaking, to get surveillance. Uh, oftentimes, that surveillance is is not helpful to the insurance company. And again, I can tell you that as a lawyer who used to work for insurers, who used to order surveillance. I used to order surveillance on claimants in the distant past. And in the vast majority of instances, I would get nothing. In fact, some of the surveillance would be unhelpful to my insurance client because it would be documenting uh, visually that the individual is in fact uh, suffering from a disability or limitations. In this case, this lady is following the psychologist's advice. The psychologist has explained to her that to get better, to get better mentally, she needs to go out in public more. She needs to do things she enjoys more. She needs to socialize. She needs to force herself to get back into society. So that's what she does. Yep. And that's what the investigator uh, sees and documents. That she's going to Tim Hortons. That she's going to a movie. Uh, that I guess she worked a little bit on, on, on her car because it's something minor that she can do with her father. And the insurance company then uses that as a linchpin to their argument 
that she's not disabled, even though she's following her psychologist's recommendations. Again, we see this time and time again. The one good thing she did here is she contacted me. I will tell you, John, I will blast them out of the water. I had a case. You know how I say always that these cases rarely go to trial? Well, I had a case. It was an injury case. It went to trial um, uh, a year and a half ago. We got judgment earlier this year, in January of this year. And again, it wasn't a disability case, but it was an injury case. And once once this case, and we were successful, by the way. I mean, the the defendant ended up paying or, or ordered to pay uh, close to a million dollars. Uh, I will talk more about that once we finish with the appeal, because the other side has now appealed that decision, and it's 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 getting heard right. uh, in in March. But, but be that as it may, the reason I'm mentioning it is because at, at trial, the defense uh, called the investigator, and we were watching the surveillance in court and the judge ultimately commented in his decision uh, that it was completely unhelpful nice. he found he found the, 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 the surveillance completely unhelpful to the defense despite the fact that I think the verbiage the, 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 what he said was that it took so much time court time so again the fact that there is surveillance on you and you're told that because of that surveillance we're cutting you off don't assume that the insurance company is correct that's my message to you if you know you are disabled, if you know you did nothing wrong, if you were following your doctor's recommendations, the insurance company surveillance is worthless and we can fight them on it. Now, when people get hit with surveillance, they're intimidated. They feel bullied. They feel like their privacy has been breached, which to an extent it has been. And many people walk away, John. They walk away from money owed to them. Yeah. If you are in your 30s or 40s or 50s, I mean 60s, if you're getting benefits each and every month and you are given surveillance and you're told we're not going to pay you anymore because of that surveillance, your claim or what you're entitled to could be in the tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you don't stand up for yourself or, or at least get us involved so we can stand up for your rights, you are essentially leaving that money that's owed to you in the insurance company's pockets. Please do not do that. Please, at the very least, don't do it before speaking with us and getting us to give you our opinion as to whether or not you have a case or not. And if at that point you still want to abandon the money that's owed to you by law, your choice. That is your choice. You can give the insurance company a nice gift. That's absolutely your decision. But don't do it before you get the information you need to make that decision. Really simple to reach out uh, as well. one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll bounce over to your emails uh, in just a minute here. We'll get into the pocket employment lawyer as well. Uh, all things are, are coming up here on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show, and it is on Global News Radio. You want to reach out, it is help at disabilityrights.ca. The website is disabilityrights.ca. You can go there, find past radio shows. The TV shows as well, and something fairly new. It's already gaining a lot of momentum. Savannah is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. As the title would suggest, there's all kinds of resources when it comes to your employment. And uh, if you have a job, like most of us do, you'll find that incredibly useful. But uh, about halfway down, there is a, uh, a section on disability law. I know you wanted that in there, and that was, uh, that was a good idea, putting that in there, right? Yeah, it was an excellent idea. So again, for people who haven't heard about the pocket employment lawyer, uh, people probably who have listened to my, my partner show, uh, you, your co-host, Lior Samfiro, about employment matters, they're aware of the severance pay calculator that allows mm-hmm. you uh, to calculate your own severance. We've, we've created that years ago, and it's been insanely popular, uh, I would say, throughout Canada. Okay, uh, 
Pocket Employment Lawyer is a new online tool that's free that we created and launched a few weeks ago and a few months ago, and it's been just even more popular than the severance pay calculator because it allows people to get almost instantaneous information and analysis about their own individual employment situation. But not only employment situation, also their disability situation. And what we've done really is we've we've created uh, a series of questions and it only takes a few minutes really to to do uh where you select what's applicable to you it's like a drop down menu uh you click on a few things and then it tells you based on on the selections you've made it gives you a short analysis some answers or a starting point for you to understand your legal rights as it relates to your employment situation and you're right john it, it deals with constructive dismissal yeah. human rights it deals with a whole bunch of employment related matters but it also deals with disability matters because in many cases, people who come to us with an employment issue also have an issue with their long-term disability insurance company. And vice versa, people who have issues with their disability often have issues with their employer. And so the reason we married these two together is because it's applicable to so many people out there. And so if you go to this online uh, website, John, you're going to give that website again uh, right after I finish here, uh, you know, you will see how easy it is to use. It's anonymous. Now, if after getting the answers, the preliminary answers, the analysis, it's going to give you a starting point. If then you want to contact us, there is a button there. You can go ahead and do that. If you don't want to, just shut down the browser. We will never know that you were there. But it's an amazing, amazing tool. It's been used just hundreds, if not thousands of times just in the last few days. It's absolutely crazy how much people are... are uh, happy about it. I mean, we've even gotten you know positive feedback from other lawyers about it. Yeah. I really urge you to 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 go to it or tell people other people about it. Even if you don't have a disability issue or an employment issue, you probably know someone who does. Tell them to go to the Pocket Employment Lawyer. They will get their answers. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca is the uh, destination. Check it out. Uh, as uh, we say, it's absolutely free. You couldn't enter a credit card if you tried. In the top right, if you choose to, there's a contact button to carry on from there. Uh, Monica, email up first. We've got a couple minutes here. We'll try to get uh, get this in. Monica says, my husband was recently told that his LTD benefits will be cut off at the end of next February because they think that he should be able to do another job. He's 53 years old and works as a general manager of a large department store. He's been off work because of a stroke and depression, and his doctors don't think that he will be ready to go back to any type of work for quite a while. They're not really sure what we should do. Should we wait and see if he can go back to work in February? Can we ask the insurance company to reconsider February if he's not able to work? Monica, thank you very much for your email. Uh, the, the, the quick answer uh, to the last question can we ask the insurance company to reconsider in February if he's not able to work? Yeah, you can ask them. But here's the thing. If the insurance company has given you now a date, a future date when the benefits, your husband's benefits will stop, you know, visualize that as a cliff. You are going to go or your husband's going to go over that cliff if we don't start a legal claim now. We need to be proactive about these things. And John, I see this time and time again when an insurance company tells a claimant that their benefits will stop at yeah. some point in the future. They invite the person to appeal. The person either tries to appeal uh, or, or uh, um, doesn't try to appeal, just tries to basically see if they can provide more documentation without a formal appeal. The point is this. The, the um, longer you delay contacting us and getting the legal information you need as to what to do, uh, 
the 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 sooner it is that you're gonna feel that that shock when, when that money stops coming into your account because it's gonna happen. You see, once the insurance company puts in their computers that there is a certain date by which uh, they stop paying you, that goes into effect. It's automated. It's mechanized. And if you waste that precious time before, uh, between now and that date, trying to appeal that decision or beg the insurance company to reconsider, you are wasting valuable time. We could potentially resolve that claim either by that deadline yeah. or shortly thereafter, minimizing the amount of time that you're not getting any money in. Now, in Monica's husband's case, John, I mean, just consider this for a second. I mean, the guy had a stroke. He's suffering from depression. Like We're talking about things that are well known, and the doctors are all saying that he can't go back to any type of work. Why on earth is the insurance company doing what they're doing? Why on earth would they say that he can go and do another job? Why? Save money. All the doctors are saying to save money. That mm-hmm. is the, that is yep. the, that's what's fueling the insurance company's desire to, to try and shake you off claim. And whether it's because you had a stroke or a heart attack or you're suffering from an illness or you had an injury, insurance companies operate in a very similar way in most of these claims. They try to shake you off. They try to do that by either sending you to an independent assessment Again, quote-unquote, independent. They try to tell you that at the two-year mark, you no longer qualify because, you know, the test is different, which it is. In other words, not only can you not do your own job, they think now you can do another job, a different occupation. Again, if you cannot go back to any type of work after two years, and when I say any type of work, I mean the type of work that you're suited for by training, education, or experience, and your doctors back you up and they say, yeah, we agree, this person cannot do that, you have a case. You should not. You should not bow down to the insurance company. You should not accept that your benefits will end when the insurance company says that they will end. This is when you contact us and we look at your case. We review the medical documents. We review the denial letter, and we will tell you what your legal options are. And that's all free. So if it's all free, why not actually uh, take us up on that? Why not contact us? And by the way, John, I, I want to make sure people understand. In many instances. Not just me, my team members and I, in general, uh, we will tell people if we think you have no case. We will tell you if we think you have a 10% chance, 90% chance. I mean, we'll tell you if we think you have a 0% chance. I've told people Mm -hmm. that. I I don't want to drag you through a process unless I think that at the end of the day, you're going to be happy with the result. But if you don't get that information, you're doing a disservice to you and your family. And this is why Monica's email here is so crucial, and she did the right thing in contacting us. one 821 5900 is another way to contact or use that email that Monica did. And we'll get to more of those after break. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. It's the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show. The emails are what we're getting to uh, today. Palov is next. He says, uh, my son was in a car crash three months ago on the highway and was hit from the back by a big truck. His car flipped a few times and he and his wife were injured badly. The police and ambulance said that they didn't know how they survived it. My son had several broken bones and a concussion and his wife was also injured badly on the right side of her body. They were both working full-time before the accident. Now he is back to work only part-time, several hours a week, but she is still not working. I want to know if you can help them and what they can do legally, that is. Thank you. Well, Palav, uh, thank you for emailing us, and I'm very sorry uh, about your son's accident. I mean, this is one of those accidents that uh, you never want to see any loved one or family member, uh, colleague uh, in. This is something that you know you would see in a movie. 
so, so let, let me let me break this down because car accident legislation, car accident law mm-hmm. in Ontario is is convoluted and it keeps changing. You know, you know, you, you, you know, you, you know the saying: uh, you you never uh, uh, step into the same river twice. Yeah, it's right. the Same thing. It's the same thing with 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 car with with you know auto insurance and and these kinds of claims. So. Uh, whenever you are injured in a car accident in Ontario, whether or not it's your fault, uh, you are entitled to, if you're injured, to accident benefits. And those are benefits that your own auto insurance company has to pay you. Now, if you're a pedestrian, for example, or a cyclist, and you don't have auto insurance, well, it's the insurance company of whoever hits you. They have to pay you those accident benefits. And, and those are paid uh, very quickly. You don't have to wait for those. Um, I mean, relatively speaking, uh, you're entitled to medical benefits, you're entitled to income replacement benefits after the first week. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of benefits depending on the severity of your injuries. And in this case, with Pal of Sun, uh, those injuries are fairly significant. So it seems to me like, uh, you know, his son and his wife potentially would be either catastrophically injured so they're they're entitled to significant types of injury uh, 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 benefits or uh, one level below that which means that they're still entitled to quite a lot of income replacement benefits medical benefits mm-hmm. etc so so that's the first thing accident benefits the second type of of damages or compensation you could get in a car accident depends on who was at fault. And remember that fault is not necessarily uh, a black and white proposition. Uh, You can have a situation where somebody hits you from the back and then that person is likely, likely, not always, but likely 100% responsible and so they have to pay compensation to you because of that. But you can have a different situation where you're making a left-hand turn and uh, somebody... uh, you know, blows the red and then you have a collision and then maybe liability or fault is 50-50 between the driver of the left-turning vehicle and yeah. whoever was gotcha. on the other side. So, so you, you can have different, different degrees of fault. But the point is that that uh, if the other side, the other person that struck you was to some degree at fault, you may be entitled to claim certain damages from them. And those would include uh, damages for pain and suffering, depending on the severity of your injuries. Those will include future income losses, right? Let's say now you're injured that you can't work uh, the way that you know Palav is describing here in terms of his uh, son and, and and you know his his uh, wife. Uh, but there may be other expenses. Maybe you need to do modifications to the home now because of their injuries. Maybe there's family members that now need to take care of his son and and his wife. Those family members potentially can get compensation as well because of this. So you know there, there's a bunch of damages or categories of compensation that you could get in in a serious car accident. And again, we deal with this at the office throughout Ontario. We deal with these kinds of claims, specifically the more significant claims. So very important to understand. So Palav, my suggestion is after the show, we'll get in touch with each other. We'll make a point to meet, and I, I can come and see you and your family. Uh, and I'll give you all the information. I just need more information about uh, what happened in the accident, uh, what's happening with treatments, what's happening with the employment situation with with uh, Palav's son and, and his wife. And I'll make sure that they have all the information, John, that they need to make an assessment on how they want to proceed. The one thing they should not do is delay. 
Because if you delay getting this information now, you could potentially prejudice their situation, their legal position going forward. I've been in situations where people come to me and they had an accident three years ago and they never saw a lawyer or they saw a lawyer that didn't know what he or she was doing and they didn't start that legal claim and now they're out of time because there's a two-year limitation period in Ontario for starting these kinds of claims. Palav, you know the uh, you know the email address. Obviously, I'll give it out for those who uh, want to write in, and that is simply help at disabilityrights.ca. The website disabilityrights.ca. You can find past radio shows, the TV show as well. The phone number always works to get a hold of Savannah or James or the team. It's one eight five five. 821-5900, that, and there's a resource called MyDisabilityQuestions.com. We'll get to that as well after a short break and more of your emails right here on the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. You want to reach out, one 821 5900 No problem. Help at DisabilityRights.ca. There's also a resource called MyDisabilityQuestions.com. You can go there, ask your questions. They get answered rather quickly. There is also a drop-down menu. There is a a fairly good chance, a high probability that a question similar to or just like yours has been asked and answered in depth. So make sure you check that out first, mydisabilityquestions.com. You know, the other week we were talking about surveillance, so let's talk about that for a sec. When it comes to surveillance in LTD disability claims, does it happen often and can insurance companies cut people off because of it or will they? Yes, and you know, in the context of, of one of the um, stories that I was uh, speaking about, or an email that I was reading earlier in the show, um, you know, with the lady who was following her psychologist's advice, and then the insurance company cut her off because essentially they saw her doing exactly what she was supposed to do, except they used that against her. Yes, surveillance does happen. Uh, insurance companies utilize that for a variety of reasons. Uh, number one reason is because they want to catch you in the act. They don't believe you, or mm-hmm. maybe they don't know if they need to believe you, or maybe they're just being very cynical and they're thinking, okay, well, maybe we believe you, but if we can catch you or or make it look like you are doing something you're not supposed to, maybe we can present that to you and uh, convince you that you have no case. And guess what, John? In many instances, people are completely shocked when they are presented with surveillance. Not because the surveillance shows anything shocking, but because the feeling that your privacy has been compromised, the feeling that now you're being followed, it makes people nervous. It drives you crazy. Yeah, Yeah. you start seeing things. You know, I had one person call me once and say, you know, I I think I'm being tracked 24 hours. My phones are tapped. That doesn't happen. Okay, now with insurance companies, I can tell you that it's extremely, extremely expensive to hire private investigators, particularly the good ones. Insurance companies are not in the habit of just wasting money. They will not have someone trail you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. They're not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. It's never happened. It never will happen. But again, you can just imagine the psychological impact that surveillance has on people. So does it happen? Yes, it does. Do they have a right to do it? Yes, within certain limitations. Uh, And do they cut people off because of it? A hundred percent, a hundred percent they do. That's not to say that they should. That's not to say that they're allowed to, but they do. They do because they understand that there is an element of gaslighting. They understand that people will look at the surveillance and they will think to themselves, oh my God, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I really can do this or that. Or maybe they'll feel that if they fight the insurance company, the insurance company will continue doing surveillance. You know, so people people get very, very scared, understandably so. So I am telling you, if your insurance company cuts you off because of surveillance that they did on you, 
and you know that you are disabled, and you know that that, I mean, critically, when you look at the surveillance, it doesn't show anything that contradicts what you've told the insurance company, yeah. do not be afraid. You have the power to push back or at least give us that authority, and we will push back. Okay, I often say, John, that we are not just there to defend you against the insurance company. We are there to attack the insurance company if the insurance company has done something that they should not have done legally against you. Okay, we I, and we live for this. I love I love nothing more than forcing an insurance company to pay my client what they are owed, because in a way it, there is a there is a feeling of justice that is being done. You know, when I know the insurance company paid my client three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars. When one year ago they told my client that they're not owed anything, there there is there is a satisfaction that is derived from me. So there is you know this this personal feeling. But moreover, I know that these individuals need the money, and it's money that's owed to them. You know, people need to understand that when we enter into a settlement with the insurance company, when the insurance company pays my client all this money, it's not because of charity. It's because they understand that it's the the most desirable alternative to getting hammered by a judge in court. So again, if you contact us, we will give you the goods. We'll tell you exactly based on your specific situation, based on your specific fact scenario, if we think you have a case or not. If we think you have a case, trust us. We know what we're talking about. Just before we uh, we break here, does the surveillance ever backfire on them? In fact, does it ever bolster your case against them? Like, oops. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely it does. 100%. Yeah. And, and, you know, not, not only does it do that, uh, we've had situations where, and I can tell you that, I can't give you specifics because we entered into confidentiality arrangements. But I can tell you that I've had cases, um, not many, but I've had those where once we started a legal claim, it came to light that the surveillance that was used to justify a person getting cut off, mm -hmm. uh, that actually that was just one portion of the surveillance, that the, 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 what, what we saw in the video was cherry-picked, meaning that the surveillance as a whole, which subsequently got produced, actually showed a completely different picture. And, and and did not show what the insurance company purported that it wow. showed when they cherry-picked, you see? So you have to be careful in taking the insurance company's word that when they say, we have surveillance that shows that you are not disabled, when you know that you are disabled and your doctors know they are disabled. So, so you know, again, yes, it can absolutely backfire, absolutely. And this is why I tell people, if you know you're disabled, and you know that your doctors know that you're disabled and they've written that you're disabled, do not back down. Gotcha. Let us deal with the situation. Leslie, your email is up next. Thank you for sending it over. We will get to that after a short break. Yours as well is help at disabilityrights.ca, the website disabilityrights.ca for past shows and the TV show as well where you can find that. And the phone number, of course, anytime, one 821 5900 more of the Disability Law Show is on the way. Stand by. We'll get to it on Global News Radio. Disability Law Show continues here. A few minutes to go. We'll get to another email or two if we got, if we got some time. Leslie is up next. As promised, Leslie says, uh, Savannah, a good friend of mine was just denied LTD because the insurance company says that she applied too late. She missed the deadline by nine days, and the reason was because she's suffering from mental illness. She's about to be evicted from her apartment, and I'm trying to figure out how to help her. She probably, uh, she'll probably move in with me for a while, but I was wondering if you can help her with the insurance company. Can they deny her because she was late by a week and a half in applying? That doesn't seem fair. That's from Leslie. It's not fair at all, Leslie. And you know what? Your friend is lucky to have you, and thank you for emailing us on her behalf. 
let me answer your question unequivocally. Uh, yes, they can deny her. But can that denial be maintained in a court of law if we actually challenge that? I doubt it. And the insurance company knows it. You know, what we do here, John, is we don't just tell people uh, in layman's terms what their rights are. Sometimes we get into the law a bit. So let me just get into the weeds just a little bit. And many lawyers who are listening will nod their heads when I say this. There is a principle, a doctrine at law, called relief from forfeiture. Mm-hmm. I think it came from England or something. Yeah. All our laws came from England. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, this idea, relief from forfeiture, this principle essentially uh, uh, boils down to this idea that a courts look to be fair. They're trying to get a fair verdict. You know, there are judges that I like and judges that I don't like, but every judge without exception, even the ones I don't like, I think in their hearts they're trying to reach the right decision. They may not always reach the right decision, in my opinion, but they try to. And so relief from forfeiture, this idea was born from the idea that we are trying to find justice. And let me ask you, John, as a lay person, if this person who's suffering from mental uh, uh, health issues missed the deadline to apply for LTD by nine days, what has changed really from the insurance company's perspective? Like, is this a situation yeah. where somebody hasn't applied after and after 25 years wants to come back and, and, and apply? Nine days. How is the insurance company prejudiced by that? They're yeah, not. Exactly. And so, and so there have been cases and there have been rulings by judges uh, where judges have said, no, the fact that you missed that deadline, that does not obviate the insurance company's responsibility to consider the merits of your case. And if all they're doing is denying your claim on the basis of a technicality, of the fact that you've just missed by a few days this application, uh, we don't see that as right. And and we're going to rule that the insurance company has breached its obligations under the contract. Now, again, it's all case-specific, okay? Every case must be judged on its facts. That's why I'm giving you this general information. But it's very important to understand, Leslie, that I, I, I would want to see the documentation. I would want to see the reports from the doctors. I had uh, I had a case uh, about a year ago or so, uh, John. Uh, this was on behalf of uh, Lior, uh, Lior's friend, uh, my partner, uh, who his father had a car accident and had multiple strokes, and ended up having to have a power of attorney. One of his sons, that was Lior's friend, right. and they contacted me because uh, the insurance company had said that they are not going to uh, approve that claim or even look at it because b- because that individual who's now incapacitated did not apply in time. There was a delay of about a year, a year, not nine days, a year. I was. I ended up speaking with the doctors, with the uh, uh, neuropsychiatrist, because we're talking now with with brain injury type of injuries. You know, I mean, this is why this person wasn't able to do it, and his sons were preoccupied with other issues that they had to deal with. I wrote this letter to the insurance company. Uh, I didn't even start a claim. I just wrote to them and closed some some recent letters from the various doctors, and I told them if I start a legal claim here, I'm not going to let go. I'm going to be like a dog with a bone. I'm going to take this all the way. Yeah. All the way. Guess what happened? What do you think happened, John? I think uh, I think the, the the things went your way is what I think happened. They paid everything. They did. Yeah, we didn't even negotiate. It was everything. Oh, because they understood, even though there was a delay of a year, the facts were so stark. You know, someone who's incapacitated the way that he was to say that as a result of that, we are going to use that technicality to deny looking at the merits 
of your application for LTD. It was insane. Never mind so, nine days, like a year. Never mind like nine days. Huge. So that's what I'm telling. Exactly. So, yeah. so you know, directly now to Leslie. I'm talking to you, Leslie. Uh, please, I would love to speak with your friend. I want to get some more documentation about her mental illness, what she's struggling with. I want to see the denial letter. I'm telling you, I can resolve that claim. I'm not going to say no time, but hopefully, hopefully in lightning speed because I think the insurance company if there was a defense lawyer on the file, that defense lawyer would tell the insurance company, pay now. Pay now. As long yeah. as there's medical support, start paying now or you're exposing uh, the insurance company to punitive damages, to, to extra contractual damages. They do not want to do that. Trust me, they would capitulate. Good stuff, man. We'll leave it there for another week. Leslie, you've taken the first step. Now uh, make the phone call. Get your friend to uh, to contact Savan and the team for sure. No question this time. The uh, the number one eight five five. 821-5900. Pass along the email address, which is help at disabilityrights.ca. You can go to disabilityrights.ca if you want to hear past shows, catch the TV show as well. There's uh, links and information there as well. If you haven't used it yet, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's a lot about uh, employment law there, which is intertwined with disability law, as you know by now, if you've been listening to this show for some time. But there's also a section on disability there as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. This has been the Disability Law Show. Till next time, right here on Global News Radio.